Stay tuned to the Z1055 Facebook page for that. We continue on with The Breakfast Club now on a freezing Monday at 18 degrees with State Senator Nate Libby, who joins us. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Doing fine. Getting ready to go to Augusta for another week of interesting public policy debate. Fun, fun-filled hijinks, I'm, right. I'm sure. Right. Um, let, let's get started with the with the drug crisis. It's been a hot-button issue lately for a while. Every time somebody dies of an overdose, it, it, it stokes the fires, and it seems like there's one that happens like once a week at this point. Um, what, what's going on in the legislature with that? What have what have been uh, some of the responses, and, and what have you guys come up with? There's been a lot of attention, as you said, around this issue. I think law enforcement is coming forward, um, healthcare providers are coming forward, legislators are coming forward, and saying we got to we got to change what we've been doing because this is kind of getting out of hand. So, uh, in response, we've uh, dealt with a number of issues, and so uh, last time I was on, we talked about. Um, a drug bill that was introduced in January, and that was kind of an omnibus bill that covered a bunch of different pieces. Um, and so that bill, it passed uh, unanimously, nearly, through both chambers and was signed by the governor, um, added funding for uh, increased reimbursement for providers who were providing substance abuse services, um, provided funding for um, 10 more main DEA agents. And so I think a lot of us were pleased to see that sail through, although we all recognize that's um, really not enough to um, seriously move the ball forward, but it's better than nothing. Uh, this month, we've been dealing with some bills around uh, crimes and penalties for possession, for trafficking, that sort of thing. So a big uh, debate we had last week was whether we should make uh, possession of heroin and those types of uh, drugs for the first offense, whether we make that a misdemeanor or a felony. So folks that argued for making it a felony was that we need to get tough on uh, everyone. And folks that were arguing to uh, keep that charge as a, as a misdemeanor for the first offense were arguing that once you have a felony on your record, even if you messed up the first time, it can really um, mess you up for the rest of your life in terms of seeking employment, uh, seeking education, getting loans, and that sort of thing. So that was a close vote, and uh, I believe it uh, failed in the House. So current law, first offense uh, for possession is going to remain a misdemeanor. Uh, we also dealt, dealt with importation across state lines, and uh, you read about this nearly every week down in New York County. People are getting picked up for uh, trafficking large amounts of, of substances across state lines. And so we took an affirmative step, and I was pleased to support this bill, to toughen the penalties for importation. And then uh, another one we dealt with the last week was around whether you should lose your, your driver's license for having been found to possess illegal substances. And so again, <clears throat> folks on one side were saying we got to get tough on these folks, and taking your driver's license is, is a really big signal that uh, this kind of behavior is not acceptable. On the other end of the equation, um, and I was part of this group, arguing that you know taking someone's license away sort of along the lines of um, changing possession to a felony charge is a really big step and could really um, uh, cause trouble in a person's life in terms in terms of um, getting to work, uh, keeping your job, getting your kids to daycare, and that sort of thing. Um, so that measure, uh, I believe, failed. And so, so that's where we are with a bunch of different drug bills. No, that makes sense. You know, the the lose your license thing has always has always perplexed me. Like, I know if folks don't pay child support, they'll lose their license too. It's almost like it, it seems like it almost doesn't. 
it doesn't require. I mean, it's a it's a major inconvenience. So all you're doing is punishing the people around this. Uh, you, it seems to me like you're punishing the people around this person when that happens because. Number one, they're probably you know they lose their license. They're probably going to drive anyway. That's that would be number one, right? Uh, you know, because you know if, if we're going to be importing heroin over state lines, I don't think the driver's license is going to bother them all that much. And two, you know, if they do decide to you know go by that, then that changes things later on for life. Now, it, so I don't know. It, it I get it. It just. It, you know, it's tough. It, it's it's not. It, there's no easy solution to this. There really isn't. When you're 17 years old and your mom or dad takes your uh, license away for a week, I mean that's a punishment. It kills having you. having yeah. your car in high school is a big big deal. Right. Yeah. But when you are an adult, I think we all realize this is kind of a necessity of life right. in it's, rural yeah. Maine. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't just you know, you can't just grab a taxi when you're up in a rustic. You know, it just doesn't. I mean, you could, but I don't think it'd be cheap. Nate Libby is state senator, and he joins us every month here on The Breakfast Club. We'll have another couple segments with him coming up. You'll listen to The Breakfast Club on the Z. This local news is brought to you by Mechanic Savings Bank, with branches in Auburn, Brunswick, Lewiston, and Wyndham. Online at mechanicsavings.com. Z-Z-1055, LA's only local radio station. 19 degrees out there. Yeah, it's really warming up. It's nice and balmy <laughs> now. State Senator Nate Libby continues with us now here on The Breakfast Club. You know, let's uh, head on over to welfare reform. Uh, the, uh, you've been leading the Democrats co- towards passing uh, reform on that. Where does it stand? And uh, I, I, I don't know. How did it come up, I guess? you know. Sure. So I introduced legislation last year that um, was pretty comprehensive in terms of this issue of welfare reform. It uh, would have done a number of things. It would have banned the use of EBT cards across state lines, with the exception of New Hampshire. It would have banned the use of EBT cards for things that don't help families get out of poverty, like you know, purchasing alcohol, tobacco, lottery, that kind of stuff, firearms and ammunitions as well. Um, and it would have hired additional fraud investigators within the Department of Health and Human Services. So that bill was uh, carried over into the current session, so one year later. And I've been working with uh, folks in my party to try to bring people together and try to actually pass something, because we've tried to ban the purchase of those bad items for four or five years, and each time that we bring it up, politics gets in the way and nothing gets passed. Um, you know, to the Democrats' fault, I don't think they were willing to come far enough to the center um, to come to an agreement. And to the Republicans' fault, I think they get nervous about giving up on this issue because it's good politics for them in the campaign season. So <clears throat> I think both parties are to blame for nothing happening. So I've been trying to, like, forge the way to the center so we can actually enact some pragmatic changes that don't kick people out onto the street but improve the integrity of the system. So right now we are um, closing in the final days of the session, and Democrats and Republicans are closer than they ever have been, but there's still two divided reports. Um, Republicans want some pretty severe penalties for um, purchasing those prohibited items. They basically want the equivalent of uh, $5,000 penalty or one year kicked off the program if you buy a pack of cigarettes. Um, to me, that's a little bit uh, on the punitive side and doesn't really match up with the crime. And so I've been trying to work with the Republicans to back off that position and, and come up with some more reasonable penalties that everybody can agree to. And the governor's in- indicated his interest in signing um, what I've proposed, so that's encouraging. So we will see. I've got about two weeks left. I'm going to see if we can come to an agreement, but it's a it's a heavy lift. I, I can't imagine it's a... That, wasn't this originally supposed to be just an emergency session, you know? Remember? Wasn't right. that? Yeah, but we had a bill that 
came in this session to create the uh, state crustacean, which is, as you might guess, is the lobster. I feel like that was, I mean, how was that not done previously? Like, uh, that actually, wasn't. That, that one was kind of interesting. Uh, it was an emergency bill by request, and a group of school students, I think third graders, oh, nice. asked for this to be put through. They all came up to the state house. We had a, our hearing room was filled with, you know, third and fourth graders. They all asked us to vote for the bill, and you know, I was gonna—I wanted to kill the bill before uh, before it came up for hearing. But those kids came; they asked us to pass it, and we, you know, we couldn't say no. Yeah, I know you can't—you can't tell the kids no. Okay, we'll make the lobster the official crustacean. I don't know what it would have been up against, but you know, uh, you know, the, the muscle. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think it would have been much of a the clam. Yeah, it would have been like WrestleMania. It would have been a squash match. Yeah. State Senator Nate Libby is in. He joins us every month. We'll have more with him coming up at 7, 23, and 20 degrees here on the Z. It's Monday. It's now time for your local sports flash. Welcome back. Segment number three with State Senator Nate Libby. Joins us every month here on The Breakfast Club. Continuing now. And uh, let's talk about state tax revenues. That's something that's always a big deal. You know, for years and years and years, um, I, I was always just used to this was the time of year where there was like, well, there's a deficit in the budget. And it's like, oh, boy, everything's going up. Right. right now, the state has an estimated $90 million surplus for the two-year budget. What are the plans with that? Sure. So just to put that in context, the two-year budget is $6 billion with a B. And <laughs> while $90 million sounds like a lot, it's right. uh, less than 1%. So... Uh, you know, folks aren't just throwing money out the window now, right. Augusta, yeah. despite what um, some may Bathing may in cash. Think. We're not doing right. that. No. <clears throat> so um, there are a number of priorities that, you know, I think need attention. A lot of us think need attention. One is the Budget Stabilization Fund, which is the Rainy Day Fund. Um, we look to creditors like, um, you know, the folks that uh, keep their finger on the pulse of the bond market. And, you know, they suggest a Rainy Day Fund that can help support state government um, for a month or so. And we're at somewhere around 10 days where we could operate on our rainy day fund. So, you know, I think Democrats, Republicans, folks who pay attention to economics and finance realize we need to uh, work on getting the rainy day fund higher. And I'm I'm on board with that. Um, Some want to take the entire 90 million surplus and put it into the rainy day fund. Um, But I'm looking at this a little more holistically. And school funding is always an issue. We we continually uh, shortchange our, our school districts. And that adds an additional burden on property taxpayers, which is uh, one of the least fair taxes there there are. Um, there's another issue that I've been working on with some Republicans, which is a, a tuition waiver for the National Guard so they can attend a main uh, public university or community college um, tuition-free. And so we're working on getting that funded out of the $90 million surplus and and there are some other uh, smaller issues, uh, county jail funding. Um, I think folks want to put a little bit more into county jails so that, again, uh, the burden is not borne solely by the property taxpayer. No. So we'll see. We, uh, there's a lot of negotiating. There's a lot of horse trading. And then the Republicans kind of threw this um, this curveball into the whole discussion, saying that they some of the Republicans were not going to support any new spending, even the rainy day fund unless a competing minimum wage measure was put out to referendum. So the MPA and the unions have put out a $12 minimum wage um, question that's going to be on the ballot this fall. And the business community, in reaction to that, has come up with a $10 an hour minimum wage proposal that 
they would like the legislature to bless so that it goes out and is on the referendum this fall as well. There's been some talk about state cuts to services for individuals with mental health needs. I know there's been a big outcry about that. I, I know there was a big uh, thing the other day about that. Can we talk a little bit about it? And, uh, you know, that's obviously a, a big deal as people continue to have mental health issues. Right. I, I look at this as one of those basic uh, core functions of government. I mean, we have to take care of uh, folks who can't take care of themselves. And, and in some circumstances, folks that uh, receive main care services have that issue where they, they are unable to take care of themselves. But, of course, it's a spectrum, and then there, there are uh, folks with mental health issues who can live independently and support themselves if they get a little bit of um, daily living assistance. So, unfortunately, there's been some conversation at uh, DHHS about cutting what's uh, called Section 17 services. Section 17 services are, are so-called wraparound services that help people with those daily uh, living activities, and it, they're really uh, important in terms of keeping these folks in their own homes, being productive members of society, and not slipping um, and, and becoming uh, sort of in a crisis state. Um, the administration through DHHS is suggesting that there are not enough resources to pay for all of these services, but when we look at the numbers, uh, this line in the budget is showing a surplus and they are contending that we need to cut in order to uh, balance things out. So about 8,000 Mainers who um, have mental health issues and were receiving these services uh, received a letter in the mail saying they may or may not have all of their services cut by this Friday. Of course, that's causing a big outcry, and um, what we're trying to do, and, and it's a bipartisan group, is trying to uh, slow this process down because giving folks about two weeks' notice um, and cutting them, you know, out of the, all of their services to us is just a little bit too much. And if we're talking about keeping someone successful and independent in their home, versus cutting off those services and seeing them uh, go into a crisis state where, um, you know, our health system has to pick them up, our our criminal justice system has to pick them up, that's a more expensive, less productive uh, solution for all of us. We are talking with State Senator Nate Libby. He is in for his monthly visit with us. Coming up, talk about Governor LePage a little bit, and also talk about Franco Day that was last month as well. Right now, you're listening to The Breakfast Club on Z1055. It's 20 degrees outside on a cold Monday in April. By the way, did I mention it's opening day? Yes, it's 20 degrees on opening day. You're listening to The Z. Welcome back. Fourth and final segment with State Senator Neat Libby. Listen to the Breakfast Club on Z1055 on a Monday morning. So, the governor's always, you know, he's the governor. There's always stuff going on with the governor. It's, you know, <laughs> just how it works. So, a couple things here. We'll, well, I'm going to combine these two together. First one, um, after the Labor Committee uh, rejected one of his appointees, he refused to seat a, uh, a, a seat a senator, I believe. it was. Uh, there was a little bit of a thing there. Let, let's talk a little bit about that. And then we'll kind of go into this... Uh, Thing about increasing the governor's salary and, and cutting the legislature as well. Sure. So, unfortunately, you know, this was a thing. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> it was a to-do. Yes. Yeah, it was a to-do. Um, a hullabaloo. If yeah. <laughs> so, the latest spat with the governor, uh, he's very good at linking unrelated issues and making them sort of a hot-button issue in the press. Um, he's, he's just exceptionally talented at that. So, in this instance, uh, we have two separate issues. On the one hand, we have the Labor Committee... Uh, up in the legislature, which uh, is reviewing LePage appointee to the Workers uh, 
Unemployment Insurance Board. And so that's a a situation where the governor brings forward people that he wants to see on that board, and then the legislature provides uh, vetting of those individuals. And it's a, it's a balance of power situation. So in my time in the legislature, I'd say we've um, confirmed and sort of gave our blessing to 99.5% of all of the governor's appointees. Um, every legislative committee does a, a thorough background check. They do an interview. It's, it's like a, a serious job interview. And on occasion, get out of the way. Get out of the way. It's a serious job. What do you know? <laughs> but on occasion, we find folks that we think maybe aren't the best fit for some of these public service positions. And in this case, um, and I can't remember the gentleman's name, but um, they had some concerns. Uh, the Democrats did, and so they rejected the appointment. And this really upsets the governor when the legislature exercises its constitutional duty. He really doesn't like that. So uh, on the same, uh, the following day. A new state senator from Biddeford who was elected in a special election was supposed to come up and be seated and sworn in by the governor. This is a, a ministerial act, we call it. It's not a policy decision. It's just, you know, pushing the paper through. The governor always, you know, does this. He decides he's going to make a stink about this and refuses to seat uh, the new senator, uh, Susan DeChambeau, from Biddeford. So in response to that, we as a Senate have decided we're not going to take any roll call votes until... Uh, this uh, new senator is seated. So that's a great example of your government working very efficiently this week on your behalf. Seems to be. Now, I did see a thing about increasing the governor's salary. It would not affect the current salary for him. It wouldn't take place until he left office and there was part of cutting the legislature in there. However, I believe it would still affect the pension because whatever the raise goes up, it'll it'll affect the pension. Let's talk a little bit about that. Right. So the Constitution uh, does prohibit a sitting governor from raising their own salary. So that's that's good. There's no question about that. So this wouldn't affect the current governor's salary. It would take effect in 2019 when the next governor is sworn in. Uh, the salary today is $70,000, and the proposal was to raise it to $150,000, um, so more than double uh, the pay. So we heard this uh, proposal in tandem with a proposal to cut the size of the legislature, um, basically by a third. And, you know, I think there are some positives and negatives to both pieces here. But the big negative on cutting the size of the legislature is hearing from representatives from eastern and northern Maine come and talk to us about how enormous their legislative districts are. Uh, One member said that it takes four and a half hours to drive from one end of their district to the other. So cutting the size of the legislature would make that problem even worse. And then on the salary side, uh, I was uncomfortable voting for an increase given the fact that, um, you know, we are starving health care providers with low reimbursement rates. Uh, we're not funding schools enough. Uh, minimum wage workers don't make enough. And, and so what kind of message does that send when we're going to double the salary of the governor? So uh, at the end of the day, I don't think this proposal is going to go anywhere. Um, I think something more reasonable where we uh, maybe tied the governor's salary to uh, inflation. You know, that might make sense. But uh, the governor did bring up a good point. He's one of the lowest paid governors in the, in the country. Well, I mean, that's been continuing for a while now. So at some point, that's going to... I mean, if we want to raise minimum wage, at some point, we should probably have the salaries for other stuff. But I don't know. That's probably doubling it just now, probably not the time. Right. You know, we, we got about a minute left here. Franco Day was last month, which is always a fun day. Let's uh, let's talk about how that went. It was a great day. Uh, I have so much fun at Franco Day. I, uh, I'm proud to serve as co-chair of the Franco Caucus, which is charged with organizing this day. So we had uh, dignitaries from many different countries uh, come and celebrate uh, Franco Day with us. 
Uh, we had a local honoree who was inducted to the Franco Hall of Fame, and that's Raymond Legou. He uh, has made a career of teaching the French language to kids and adults and helping to preserve uh, the wonderful language and culture that's associated with it. And uh, we had uh, great music um, that was organized by Lewiston native uh, Cindy LaRock. She brought uh, some wonderful um, young people uh, up to play traditional Acadian and Canadian and Franco music. Um, so it's a really great day, and we do this every year, so we'll look forward to doing it again next year. All right, real quick, 20 seconds. Yes. Hillary or Bernie? Hillary's going to run. She's this is this is done, right? That's yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking at the numbers, and <clears throat> I think Hillary's got it locked up. Uh, though some Bernie uh, supporters say that he's still got a chance, but um, Hillary's far ahead in the delegate count. I think she needs something like 600 more delegates to lock it up, and Bernie would need 1,300 more. So, all right, State Senator Nate Libby joins us every month here on the Breakfast Club. Good to see you, man. Thanks, Manny. Go have fun up in the... Uh, hey, you know, I really... I think we need, like, a state turtle. So if you could run state that turtle. through... Yeah, if you could right. just maybe... I don't know, maybe we could we'll pick a bird. Talk uh, to the uh, crocodile lobby. And yeah. See what, <laughs> see what we can do. See what we can do. <laughs> Listen to the breakfast club on the Z.